And what's up? Welcome in Thursday episode of GC Live. I am Wes Mitchell. Welcome in. Hope you're all having a great day. Joined now, I believe, by Mike Yuva. Give me a thumbs up, Mikey. You're good to go. Uh, Mike Yuva hopping on with us here for Thursday ap- uh, afternoon episode, I should say. Easy for me to say. Mike, how we doing, man? I'm doing all right. I, I, I don't like these full service at uh, car washes, Wes. That's why I was running a little behind. Uh Every person wants to get full service now and get their friggin' thing vacuumed before they actually go in, and then you're stuck in line there. So felt like it's a nice day. Let's get a car wash. But no, eight friggin' people in front of me, they all have to get the full service. They can't vacuum the car themselves. So that's what really grinds my gears today. I feel like I'm on an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, and um, but so did you did you get the the Jeep clean? Is it is it looking good? Oh, yeah, the, the exterior, you know. Go do go vacuum it yourself. That's how I. That's what I'd say to those people in front of me. You know, because there's only one friggin' thing to go down, and you have to wait. Mike, you're you're fired up today, man. I, I like the energy. Uh, hey, Frank Frank Martin was fired up last night. Um, it. I'm telling you, man. I I was lucky enough to be here when Steve Spurrier was the coach. So you never knew what you were gonna get from a Steve Spurrier press conference, but. Um, Frank Martin has been on another level this week um, from talking about duck, duck, goose to um, to if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands or whatever he was talking about yesterday. Um, he, he's been on another another level, man. But the, the Gamecock men's basketball team, and that's what we're primarily going to talk about here to start today, um, they've been on another level as well as far as the own court um, just, I don't know, man, efficiency, level of play, however you want to say it. Uh, Mike, you, you've been there pretty much all year, man. Is this team, are they rounding into form? Is that how you would say it? I think two things. I think the biggest thing for them is the fact that Frank is back to being Frank. I mean, he sets the tone when those guys commit to South Carolina, they know what they're getting themselves into. Frank's going to be loud. Frank's going to be passionate. Frank's going to be in their face. And that's what they signed up for. Unfortunately, last season, that wasn't the case because he went through COVID twice and it was evident. It was evident that he just wasn't himself. He had alluded to it multiple times, whether it be towards the end of the season or even at times going into this season, that if he could have done it all over again, he probably would have removed himself um, to at least not coach the rest of the year and then return this season because he just wasn't himself. So I think it starts with him. He needs to be able to set the tone. And it's not just setting the tone in practice or on game day, it's also set in the tone in press conferences. I mean, those players, they're not stupid. They know what's being said. They keep up with everything. Um, they have they, they have their iPhones. They know what's going on in those press conferences. And what Frank says is basically an, another way to reiterate to his players how he truly feels. Um, so I, I think that's important. I think the other part, too, is this. You had nine newcomers, eight new scholarship players. It was going to take some time for them to mesh together. Frank mentioned last night that they reamped the offense, especially the, the half court offense and have been able to make some adjustments to fit the skill set that this team has, because there's just obviously so many new faces. It just took them a little bit longer to figure out, okay, what is the best way to attack this? And I think we've seen that not just last night, but these last four games in which South Carolina has has won four conference games for the first time since 2018. And now they're going to try to accomplish something that they haven't done since the final four year, which is being able to win five conference games in a row. So a tremendous opportunity for them coming up on Saturday in Tuscaloosa against Alabama, trying to earn that outright 
fifth spot in the SEC. And, you know, shoot, they're, they're going to have a good opportunity to finish the season off strong. But just like we've been saying, Wes, these last couple of games, as cliche as it comes down to uh, saying it, it's truly just a one game at a time mentality. And that's what they've been doing. And and now they're in a position now to, to go to Tuscaloosa, be able to really improve that net and uh, Ken Palm ranking because you're going against a top 25 team on the road. And when you're trying to factoring about all those rankings and this and that road games are very, very important, especially against good teams that are in the top 25. Yeah, man. And uh, the, the, whatever you want to call them, like the, the analytics based numbers to this point have not been very kind to the Gamecocks at all. You look at, um, you know, the net so far, I, I assumed beating LSU was going to put a dent in that thing. It really didn't. Uh, but you look, uh, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this Alabama game, that, that's a place Frank Martin and these guys have, have really struggled to win at. You look at what Alabama has done this year, similar records, but I was looking at some of the teams Alabama has beaten this year. Um, very nice resume for those guys. But on the other hand, if South Carolina can go win this game, I would imagine that is maybe where you start to see a little bit of a jump in the numbers for South Carolina as far as um, the, those analytics-based uh, rankings. And and right now, you know, I think we, we probably talked about it last time you were on, man. Um, short of, of beating Auburn, which is just going to be very difficult to do anyway, um, I mean, they're, they're pretty much, in my opinion, going to need to win every other game that they play heading into the SEC tournament and put themselves in a position. Now, if you could get to fifth, it sets up pretty well for you at the tournament because if you're top four, I always thought sometimes if you needed wins in the SEC tournament, being top four was a little bit of a disadvantage because it takes away a more winnable game at the beginning. If you can be fifth, then you get to play. You don't have to double buy, but you mm-hmm. – you play a team that is a, a lesser opponent. No, and, and I and I think that's that's something that at this point South Carolina needs to be able to get those extra games. Now, do they want to be the team that has to play the play-in game to get into the next? No, I mean that, that's essentially what it is when you finish as low as we've seen in the past. Sometimes with South Carolina, they play that extra game, but I mean it, it's obviously more beneficial to finish the season off on a hot note. Uh, and on a high note at that, you know, playing hot basketball and going into the SEC tournament. So you look at it, and I hate doing this frigging game because it's, um, you know, the the what ifs and it's the popsicle headaches because you start playing out the scenarios. But, you know, I will uh, go against what I, what I say, which is, you know, I do not like doing this, but I will for the sake of this conversation because they have to. They have to, have to, have to. They want any postseason aspirations whether it be I mean obviously they can win the SEC tournament but that's gonna be very difficult but they have to be able to beat Alabama comes down to that they have to be able to beat Alabama you beat Alabama and you're able to beat Missouri even if you lose to Auburn you're gonna finish the year with 19 wins now that's if they don't make up that SEC state game I just don't see how that's gonna be possible just because of the timing standpoint I just I just don't think it's going to happen. And even if they play SC State, yes, you know, based on the scenario we're talking about, that would put them in a position to be able to earn their 20th win in the regular season. But even at that point, yeah, I get it. 20 wins looks better than 19. But at the end of the day, it's really not going to make that much of a difference. And for those of you that did not hear the 
press conference at the beginning of the week from Frank, we, we put a little story up on Gamecock Central about it. The challenging part about playing that makeup game, whether it be against SC State or anyone really for that matter, you're going to have to lose two days the following week, depending on when you play, because that's just how it breaks down from the NCAA with the hours and how many hours you're allowed to do certain things. Like, all right, you have the game made there. So um, for South Carolina, their focus right now, and it should be, is on the SEC, finishing these three games off strong. So if they are able to do that, I feel like from an NIT standpoint, you put yourself in a great position, especially if you can be able to get one of those wins in the SEC tournament. But you're also knocking on the door, potentially making making it to the big dance. And I think the challenging thing about it, Wes, is that we see so many times, so many times we see teams who have no business whatsoever making the NCAA tournament but they win their conference tournament. And as a result, an extra team, and sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three, they go into the tournament. And because of that, those teams that are on the bubble, sometimes South Carolina, uh, you know, sometimes you're in a situation, if you're South Carolina, you're one of those last four teams potentially in, you have some of these other teams win, that could bump you out. So it's tough to look at it and say, all right, they have to do this and that and everything's good because you just truly never know just because that is part of the madness with March. Yeah, I think fans do sort of like to look at it um, almost in a vacuum. You're looking at it from the perspective of your team, mm-hmm. and it is nice to be able to say, well, you know, if we win four, four more games, win five more, you know, whatever, but it is very much going to be determined because you're talking about a thin margin yeah. between those final teams, and then, as you said, man, a team that maybe was not expected to go, they win that tournament, boom, there goes one spot, so – you can have – there could be a year where you get a little bit lucky maybe. Maybe all the favorites that are going to go anyway win their their tournaments. And then maybe a couple extra teams from the, the sort of – you know, the majors go. Or then other times, um, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a small bubble and teams get left out that, that most years – like every, no given one year is exactly the same. So yeah. that's uh, – you're gonna you're at the point if you're South Carolina you're gonna want and need every bit of luck you can get down the stretch I think and Wes I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people have gone back already and have looked at that 2015-2016 season when there was absolutely no question that South Carolina got snubbed no freaking question they got snubbed and they got left out of the tournament I say that because you look at how they finished the year I believe they had 25 wins that season 25 and 9 the challenging and 11 and seven in conference play, the challenging part when you compare that is when you look at 2015 through 2016, that, that, that season, and you look at now 2021 to 2022, just look at how much better the conference has got. I mean, the SEC for a long time was just considered to be a football and, and baseball conference, basketball for women's of course, but from a basketball standpoint, no one really looked at it that way. But if you look at the talent that has come out of the SEC over the last couple of years, it is absolutely ridiculous. And you look at some of the coaches they have in the conference as well. So I say that because that has to be something you take into consideration. That human element, when you are looking at the resumes, it's a little bit different now. If that 2015-2016 USC team did what they did and you put them in this year, you know, finish the same record, they're in easily. There's no question they're in easily. I, I think times have changed a little bit. So um, I, I think it is important to realize that 
it is extremely difficult to look at, okay, the last couple of years, okay, maybe maybe six SEC teams made it this year, oh, seven teams made it, only three or four or five. It's just difficult to do that because, as you said, you have to look at things in a vacuum because every season's different. And the reality is right now the SEC is playing at such a high level that that will help South Carolina, but you have to be able to get that signature win. I think that's the big thing, Wes. They don't have that signature win quite yet. And if they're able to beat, if they're able to beat Alabama on the road, I mean, top 25 team, a mm. team that um, you're playing at their house. I mean, I, I think that would be the game. Am I obviously is that a, you know, beating Kentucky? No, but I think that would be the signature win that would help them to make a little bit more of a case. They don't have that right now. They don't have that signature win. And it is a place they have really struggled to win yeah. at as well. So add that, not that the committee or the numbers or any of that, None, none of those people care about that, but as far as kind of what the men would, what the win would mean for South Carolina, um, I'll add in that as well because it would mean you had a team that was mentally tough enough to go in there and win against a program that, for whatever reason, you know, you kind of see it across sports. Sometimes it's just a bad matchup with a certain program. Sometimes mm-hmm. you look at it and you say, "Wow, we always seem to match up well with that team." With South Carolina and Alabama, particularly South Carolina at Alabama in men's basketball, uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I know it has not been pretty uh, as far as Carolina going in there and getting wins. Uh, before we go any further, i got to tell you about our presenting sponsor. It is Clint Hammond. You see a smiling face right there on the screen. In a, NMLS number 71597. C. Hammond, that's the letter C, Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com is how you can get in touch with Clint. 803-576-4450, or just head on over to clinthammond.com if you're in the market for a new home. Maybe you want to buy a new home. Maybe you want to refinance, save yourself some money each month. Give Clint a shout. Let's dive a little bit more, Mike, into the actual game yesterday. Mm-hmm. A, what would you say, a wall-to-wall, a wire-to-wire win for South Carolina and that they, after not leading at all the last time these two teams faced earlier in the year, yeah. South Carolina flips the script. They're leading throughout. It felt kind of like they were in control throughout the game. They played a great first half. You were sort of, you were kind of waiting to see, does Mississippi State make that run? You know, mm-hmm. basketball's a game of runs. But Mississippi State, they I felt like there were a couple of moments where they chipped away, but the Gamecocks had answers. And, um, dude, Kuznard, I mean, <laughs> I think I think we always knew if this team was going to make a run, you were going to need these veterans. You were going to need Keyshawn Bryant to play well. You're going to need Kuznard to play well. You're going to need them to sort of um, kind of just be the the energy, be the push for this team. And the, the announcers made a great point, man. Kuznard has a look in his eyes right now, like he he's confident, he's focused, and mm-hmm. uh, he's been really really fun to watch, man. 55 points in his last two games. I'm sure getting left out of any type of considerations for any SEC accolades last week definitely put an extra chip on his shoulder going into last night. But one of my favorite stats, because I really think it shows a strong representation of what this team's all about and what this team needs in order to be successful. When Keyshawn Bryan or Jermaine Kusnard scores at least, you know, at least one of them scores at least 10 points or more, South Carolina is 15-2 and two this season. Both guys scored in double digits last night. So, point being is this. When one of those guys is able to do what I think going into the season 
what we expected them to do, they're able to get things done. They're able to get things done. So um, I don't think it's any secret the fact that South Carolina, of those 19 wins this year, 15 of them have come when uh, when one of those guys scores in double digits. And you got to go back into early in the year. I mean, there were times where, you know, Keyshawn obviously missed the first five games due to a team suspension. And then Jermaine, he was dealing with a lot going back at home with the loss of a dear friend who, um, as we've learned, because it's been well documented. Um, then obviously the, the, tr- the, the struggles that his mother's been going through. I mean, he's been going through a lot. He's been going through a lot. And I don't think people truly understood the, the reasoning behind why Frank decided not to play him. I believe it was that Arkansas game, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm wrong, I, I, I apologize. But I know it was one of those games not too long ago. And Frank said he needs to be able to be at peace. He needs to find that peace. Well, I think Jermaine's been able to find that peace. And I think it just shows what he's capable of doing when he does find that piece. And then Keyshawn, I think, look, I've said this before. I think Keyshawn was just trying to do too much. I think he was trying to do way too much. I think he was trying to impress some NBA scouts by trying to maybe settle for some more jump shots than he typically um, has in the past. Um, And I think he was also struggling to make that adjustment of when do I attack the rim and when do I settle for a jumper because teams started playing a little bit different because they respect the hell out of his athleticism. So I think it was one of those things where, you know, at times Keyshawn may have pulled up a little too soon to take that shot because, like I said, maybe he just felt, hey, you know, teams are playing me a little bit different. But at the same time, too, NBA scouts want to see me be able to bury, you know, that 10 to 12 foot jumper. Um, he's playing like himself now. He's not thinking and he's just freaking playing. Now, has there been some games, especially during this four-game winning streak, that he hasn't been shooting that well? Yeah. But at the same time, too, you can just see the difference in aggression, attacking the hoop. And when he attacks the hoop, even if he's not the one shooting it, how quickly that paint collapsed and he's able to dish it out to the outside. And guys like Eric Stevenson, James Reese, we're seeing these guys be able to bury those shots on the outside. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. I loved, loved, loved the ball movement last night. I feel like that's something that for South Carolina early on in the year, it was very slow, especially early on in conference play. It just seemed slow at times. It seemed like it was, um, you know, you kind of knew what was going to happen. They'd maybe settle for a three. They wouldn't get the ball inside, as Frank alluded to, about being important to their offense in order to have success. So um, just a great job last night. Just a great job. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, guys like Keyshawn and Jermaine, they've really stepped up. And the other seniors as well, James Reese and, and Eric Stevenson. Yeah, and uh, man, like you said, the, the ball movement, the making the extra pass, sort of not settling for early shots. Uh, tell you what man I like watching uh Taquan Woodley play like I I look at this kid and I'm like I mean as someone who doesn't like really like I can't really analyze the game of basketball from an X's and O's standpoint so I don't pretend I can um but I do know I do know athletes man and I look at Woodley and I'm like how many big men do you see especially come in as freshmen and they just don't look very coordinated and yep. then I look at Woodley and I'm like, this kid has some like skill to him. He has some finesse for a big guy. Um, he's also willing to 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 push a guy around a little bit too when he needs to. It got a little bit chippy there in the second half, but I I like what that guy brings to the table. If if he can follow that up, and I, I know freshman, it's kind of 
it's always up and down with freshmen, but he's another one I'm looking at, man, if he, if he can build off of that and keep giving South Carolina good minutes, um, that makes them all the more dangerous. Not that he's going to be carrying the way, but I mean, he had a couple passes last night. They were just uh, beautiful. I thought. And I, what, what really impresses me with that young man, he's obviously going through something that is very special with being able to have the birth of his child he must have a tremendous, tremendous supporting support, um, support. I can't even speak right now. Supporting cast, um, support cast. I can't freaking speak right now. I think it's time to get me a drink. Um, the group that's supporting him because to be a student athlete, number one, to be a student athlete in the middle of a stretch like South Carolina is in right now, and you're trying to be as perfect as you can, knowing that just one loss could ultimately make or break you um, and then you're juggling the, the the birth of your child it just goes to show the maturity of this young man that he's able to go out there and, and take care of business when he's on the court because at the end of the day what he's juggling back at home is much much more important than anything that's going on on the court but he's been a professional he showed up and um, since he showed up he's just been absolutely incredible but like I said going through having a child these last couple of weeks and to be able to be back on the court playing at the level that he's playing has just been absolutely insane. And when you look at teams that have been successful under Frank Martin, they've had that big guy, especially on the defensive end, that's just had that present, has that has that presence. And, um, you know, you think of a guy like Chris Silva. You think of a guy like Mike Coatsart. You think about these guys that just have that presence in the paint. A, a guy like, you know, a guy like Wildens Levesque, he definitely puts some muscle on the offseason. I just feel like, unfortunately, it just has not been able to come all together. He's he's had games. He's had moments where he has shown sparks. And I, I, I don't think he's too far off from being able to take that next step, but it just hasn't clicked fully, consistently enough. And so to see a guy like Woodley be able to step up and play in the manner in which he's doing, it's something that South Carolina desperately needed. And it's just a lot of fun to watch. He's an easy guy to get behind because you can see the effort. You can see the effort every freaking night, and especially on the defensive end. I mean, he doesn't have to go out there. Notice that. He doesn't have to go out there, score 10, 15 points. If you're making a difference down to the paint and you're just making things just a living freaking nightmare for the other team, that's exactly what South Carolina needs, and he's been able to do it. Yeah, final thing I want to hit on this game, man. Uh, again, South Carolina defeats Mississippi State 66-56. Honestly, the game was – I would say it was – South Carolina won the game by more than the score kind of indicated as far as how it flowed, in my opinion. But um, the Frank, the great Frank Martin teams play really, really good defense. And I think we have seen this team also – just look more and more comfortable playing within Frank's philosophy while, you know, yesterday the, the just sort of switching back and forth from zone to man, we've seen them as the year has progressed. Uh, I know Frank wants to be a man defensive team. Like that's his MO, but we've seen them lean more into the zone. And now Mike, you're seeing them against state. They were sort of flipping back and forth from it. I thought they kept them on their heels. They kept them off balance. And um, this is a team that started to to look like a Frank Martin team defensively as well. And that's actually the exact question that I asked Frank after the game. I said, Frank, we know that, you know, the old cliche in sports, not just basketball, how teams often take the identity of their coach and 
take on the identity of their coach. And for a while, we just didn't see it with this team, or at least we just didn't see it consistently enough across the board. And give Frank credit. You know, Frank deferred the credit to his players, saying that's just the personality of these guys. Um, you know, I think back to last night in the second half, there was a little pushing and shoving going on. And notice how quickly just a group of Gamecock players that were on the court came over to stand up for Woodley. I mean, it just speaks volumes of what this team's all about and what this team needed to be all about. Maybe it took them a little bit longer just because there's so many new faces and, you know, trying to mess, trying to gel. I mean, I, I think back to going into shoot, probably going late August, September, um, hearing some of the guys on the team just talking about how they just clicked and how they gelled well together. I don't think that's changed by any mean. That means I just think playing together because it was just so many new faces. And, you know, for a lot of these guys, it's the first time maybe in their careers that they've had to be, um, they're being asked to play the defense of, of playing defense in which there's a style uh, of, of aggression and just the manner in which Frank Martin wants you to play defense. So I think maybe that, that's something that slows down some of these guys when they come in here. I don't know, but we do notice though, once they're able to figure that out and we've seen this with Frank Martin teams go back over the last couple of years, they always, it seems like obviously last year, throw that out the window because that's tough to make any type of comparison because Frank just wasn't himself. Um, just notice how these teams under Frank have really started to find their stride somewhere between that middle of conference play towards the end, and they start to get that momentum. Now, I say all that, and I know probably there's some people in this group chat or, or just watch it. I say the group chat, people on the side, but um, anyone watching, I'm sure some of them would say, well, where where was it at the beginning of the season? And unfortunately, some of those games at the beginning of the year, historically for South Carolina, have kept them out, despite how strong they play towards the end of the season. Um, if South Carolina doesn't make the tournament, that's going to be a large part with it. I mean, it, it goes hand in hand with it, but um, that doesn't mean you can't appreciate these, this group of guys that have come together, nine new faces, eight new scholarship guys, and put something together that a lot of people didn't expect them to do, which is be able to finish as, as well as they are on the, on the verge to, I mean, they were picked 12th to finish in the sec right now. They're tied for fifth in the conference, having an opportunity to either finish in that five or six spot. So um, they've done a lot. They've done a lot. They've overcome a lot, but I know for a lot of people it's make the tournament, make the NIT, make something or else, you know, a lot of people are going to look at this season as a fail still. Well, I think it's because of this has been the program's MO lately. Yep. Um, you know, other than, I, I'll throw I'll throw out the COVID year when every, like last year when just everything was off. But the the last few years before that, um, you know, going all the way back to right after the Final Four, mm-hmm. this is kind of the mo. It's lose a couple of games early on that you shouldn't. Come into your own, starting to look like you want to look, have some momentum, and but it just not be quite enough. And I, I do think I think that's where the fan frustration largely comes from. I think some of it is tied in with the the fact that on paper, South Carolina doesn't recruit as well as a lot of other schools in the SEC. Now, what we also see from that, Mike, to your point, South Carolina consistently is picked towards the bottom in the East and then consistently outperforms what they're picked as because Frank actually does do a good job, I think, of evaluating talent compared to 
um, you know, wh- where these guys are ranked at. But the other part of that is, yeah, fans fans want you to to go to a championship or, or go to have a chance to um, win championships by just being in the tournament. So, you know, man, I think you look and I see all sides of this thing. Like, I see why fans are frustrated. But, I mean, I've always thought you should judge coaches also by the way their teams improve as a year goes on. I know, Mike, you're you're the son of a coach. Like, I, I, I feel like when – I feel like the mark of a great coach is a coach that takes what he has mm-hmm. and then sees it out on the court or the field, whatever surface you're playing on, and – we all know what you see in practice doesn't doesn't directly correlate to what you see when you're facing other teams under the lights with fans in the stands. I respect coaches that look at what they have and have the mental capacity and just the honestly the guts to say I've I've got to change this, I've got to change that, and um, we see that consistently with Frank Martin teams if they can eliminate one of these early losses each year, um, there they would be a team nobody wants to face in the tournament. I firmly believe that. These Frank Martin teams can make a run if they can just get in. I was reaching over, a little dusty right now. Ooh, a lot of dust. Talking about making those adjustments. One of my favorite quotes in all of sports that my college coach used to say, I have it on a plaque from Mike Tyson. I don't know. We'll see if we can make this work. Everyone has a game plan until they get punched in the face. So I think it's very fitting. And you can make this comparison to even Gamecock football a little bit with, with Marcus Satterfield and the offense. You know, uh, as coaches, the great coaches are able to adjust. They're not one-trick ponies. They don't just go out there and, and do one thing. You have to be able to adjust for what you have, right? Um, it, it's like kind of It's like baking a cake. And you don't have all the ingredients the way that you have it maybe in the past how you made a cake, right? You have to work with it. Maybe the, the store is closed, but you have to make a make make a cake with what you have. So I think with Frank, and I made that comparison to Marcus Satterfield, I feel like, you know, you have that game plan. You have this vision. But unfortunately, as that quote says from Mike Tyson, you get punched in the face and you have to be able to adjust. Um, I, I think Frank has demonstrated that. Uh, I think this team has demonstrated that why it took them maybe a little bit longer to get to this point. I don't know. I don't have that answer. Um, and that might be a, a good question to ask Frank, you know, the next time we have a chance. I, mean, I think he might be speaking. I don't think he's actually speaking tomorrow. I think the players will speak tomorrow via zoom. And then Frank will be speaking either Monday or Tuesday. Um, so that might be an opportunity for us to ask him that, but I, I think I think the biggest thing is with this team is, you know, we've seen just year after year, they just show fight at the end. It makes it exciting. I mean, it's just, you know, the Coastal Carolina game, I'm not dismissing it altogether. Um, no Jermaine Kuznard, you know, no Jermaine Kuznard in that game. Keyshawn Bryant suspended still. Um, if they play Coastal today, do you think that's the same result? I mean, no. Um but that's the thing that, you know, you, you can't say the games at the beginning of the year don't matter. To me, and I've said this before with about football as well, when you think about the college football playoffs, I feel like the games towards the end of the season, you should put more stock into it because that gives you a better representation of the team that you have 
especially heading into any type of postseason play, um, especially if you're trying to determine who should make the NCAA tournament out of the 68 teams. And uh, obviously there's some, you know, automatic bids there, but I think with South Carolina, um, they have certainly shown a lot of fight. I think this is a group too, that has a big chip on their shoulder, Wes. I think a lot of them are pissed off at some of the things that are being said about their coach. They're not, like I said, they're not dumb. They have a cell phone. They know what's being said. They see stuff on social media. Um, I'm sure it's pissing them off. And on top of that, you have guys that, are seniors too. And they know that this is their last hurrah. So I think it's a combination of a couple things, but um, it's really good to see these guys sticking it out together. And if Frank is back next season, as at least on the contract, that's the game plan as of right now, whether Gigi comes in or not, you do have a lot of talented seniors who are capable of coming back next season. If they make that choice, because you know, they have that. Some of these guys have that fifth year option mm-hmm. because of how things played out with that COVID season. Yeah. And it'll be, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with all of this. Um, but here, here's the thing, man. I, I'm, I'm curious to see. And like you said, I agree. The, the committee, if you've, if you go firing into the, the end of the year and you've won six of seven, six of eight, seven of nine games or something like that. Not that the early season game should not matter, but, yeah. you know, you do if, – if I have two teams and they're pretty much equal otherwise and one's going one direction in, in terms of their playing great basketball down the stretch and they have become a really good team and the other has uh, floundered, you know, and has lost six of ten, I think you're going to the team that, that is playing great basketball at the end pretty much every single time. And uh, I would be curious to see the fan – some some of this stuff is is driven by fan sentiment. I will be curious to see the fan sentiment if South Carolina plays very well down the stretch, does not make the tournament. There's a lot of people who came into this year and it was tournament or bust, which I get it, but and this is not that argument of well who you're going to go get because um, some people make that argument blindly anytime you talk about a coaching change. They say well who you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Well in my in this case though it it qualifies who are you going to go get that's better than frank martin because he's a dude this guy can coach if you can add the recruiting element which is i believe ticking up are you going to find better than frank martin who's the the real winner Let let me ask you this let me ask you this and if you're listening at home you know if you're in the chat section drop this out there i mean maybe we're going to answer it before um you send something in but think about this Based on where South Carolina is right now, they're on a four-game winning streak. They're turning things around. They're ranked fifth right now, tied uh, for the SEC in the conference at fifth with Alabama, who they're going to be playing on Saturday. Regardless of how things end this season, just seeing this fight, seeing how things have turned around, who is the real winner in all of this? Who's the real winner? Who's looking good right now? Think about that. Who's, Who's looking good? I don't even know if you know where I'm going with this, but who, who's I, looking I know. I'm, I'm curious. It's Frank Martin. Because God forbid South Carolina does want to go in an opposite direction once April 1st rolls around and that buyout drops a little bit. You don't yeah. think Frank looks at this and goes out, you know, and he's able to, to put himself out there for another team and say, hey, look what I did with the team that was picked to finish 12th in the conference, nine new faces. This is how we started, and this is how we finished. We didn't make the tournament. We didn't make the NIT. But look at how we were able to turn things around with so many new faces. If I can do that 
with new faces, what can I do at a program that's going to give me a little bit more time to work at? So I, I honestly think the person that's sitting the prettiest right now isn't the university. Mm-hmm. It's Frank Martin. Frank Martin is in a great spot right now. So if look, you don't like Frank Martin, that's fine. This isn't some Frank Martin PR uh, um, rant that I'm going on. Just think about it. Think about it. You don't like Frank. That's fine. I'm not telling you to who to like. You have your reasons to be upset. I get that. But really think about this. How things are playing out right now, Frank is looking freaking pretty. He's the person that's probably going home each night. I know he's got a little stuffy nose, he said. But uh, outside of that, he's probably the one that's going home sleeping the best out of anyone because he knows, hey, God forbid South Carolina wants to move on from me. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Because you know what? What I'm doing right now at South Carolina, especially towards the end, turning things around with so many new faces, there is definitely, there is definitely another school out there. I'm not saying necessarily a power five. Who knows? There's definitely another school out there saying, hey, shoot, we would love to have Frank Martin part of our staff. There's no question about it. Well, man, there's a lot of good non-power five jobs in basketball. You know, like there there are going to be options out there. Uh, Craig says you're not going to get a better coach here at USC than Frank. So I, I can't, I mean, you, it's, it's not that it's impossible. Like you can roll that dice if you want to roll that dice, but the chances of it, in my opinion, are probably not high. Like if you want to roll the dice and say, we'd, we as an organization would rather take the chance to be great than sort of stay being like, good and always I mean other other than last year mm-hmm. all of Frank's teams compete man they're gonna compete they're not gonna embarrass you they're gonna be right there in the middle they're gonna fight it out are you gonna make the tournament every year obviously not are you gonna make the tournament um every other year right now no but if if the recruiting were to tick up just a bit which it may be about to I, I just I don't know if you can make that change right now even if fans are sort of like just – sometimes fans get to the point after so long where they're just kind of like well, they want something different. They want a different approach. Mm-hmm. They want to hear different cliches in a press conference as opposed to the same cliches. So, you know, I, I get it. I get it completely. But you really don't want to look back, Mike, and be like, dang, we were patient as a fan base all that time, and then we pulled the plug right when it was about to turn – for the better when guys like Gigi Jackson were about mm-hmm. to come. And two things for um, Wes about Frank. One, I think some people assume if he's not here, that it will be similar to kind of like, you know, Will Muschamp, right? Oh, well, well look, it worked out in football. It's not football and basketball just aren't the same. They're just not the freaking same. They're not, they're not the same. Um, and, and basketball, it's just so freaking tough here. It really is. It really is challenging because you have Duke right up the road. You have North Carolina right up the road. You're in a tough spot from a recruiting standpoint. You are. And then obviously Kentucky's in your conference, and the conference itself is is pretty good. I say that because I, I think when people look at that and they're like, all right, go out and get a coach, get someone younger, someone that – it just doesn't work that way. It's just not the same in basketball. And – the other thing I want to say, and I got to keep saying it because some people in their minds, I I don't know what, what I need to do. Maybe I'll get a freaking shovel and smack someone over the head so they can get some common sense in them. 
Mike Boyden is not coming through those doors anytime soon. It's just not going to happen. He's comfortable and happy at Oklahoma State, okay? That's not to say... That's not to say that down the road at some point, there could be an opportunity that presents itself where Boyden's like, you know what? Yeah, it's time to go home. First off, they have to offer him that. But number two, he's in a pretty good spot. Unfortunately, Oklahoma State, they're going through their NCAA violations, which he was not a part of. And unfortunately, the program has to deal with that from an NCAA tournament ban standpoint. But he's in a comfortable spot. He's in a comfortable spot. Why would you? Why would you leave a spot like that? Oh, because it's his alma mater. Yeah, but have you seen? Have you seen how quickly people are ready to turn on you? Ask Ray Tanner. Ask Ray Tanner how quickly uh, people turned on him because they're upset with certain things. Some stuff, you know, I could you could hold him accountable for. He's the athletic director. I get that, but that stuff goes away pretty quickly. It goes away quickly, and I know he didn't necessarily go to USC, but I mean, shoot, he was the first person in USC baseball history to have his jersey retired. Do you think a lot of people care about that when they talk about arguments about, oh, you know, fire Ray or or upset with Ray? They don't care about that. If Mike Boynton came over here at some point, if things didn't go well, honeymoon phase goes out the window. Honeymoon phase goes out the window. So um, that's not to say that Boynton could not come back to Columbia West and be successful, but I think so many people just have in their mind, he's the solution. He's the solution. He could be the solution. But you need to be able to get him back here first. And I think if I'm him right now, I see how things are playing out. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. And Lake makes a good point. He's making $3 million, You know, there's, 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 there's no reason. You can have success out there. And then if an opportunity presents itself and you want to come back home to your alma mater, do it. But I think if I'm Boyan right now, shoot, I'm sitting pretty right now. I'm sitting pretty at Oklahoma State. Yeah, the, the honeymoon phase can be short these days. I mean, even as we've seen a Final Four, it buys you about four years, and then, yeah. you know, people are are quick. I mean, even, dude, even Shane Beamer in year one, I know it's a very, very tiny sliver of the fan base, but if you got on social media during some of those early season struggles, God, the, the amount of just negativity from some people. I mean, and I know that's not the administration. It doesn't really matter. Uh, what really matters is how the people signing your checks feel. Yep. But golly, college college sports, any sports right now these days, mm-hmm. um, the the window of of everybody loving you is a very very short window. Um, Mike, I want to talk a little bit about your your latest venture with Marcus Lattimore. Uh, first, I want to tell everybody about one of our newest sponsors. It is Liberty Tax. Uh, you can overcome your taxiety. 803-462-5576. This is tax time. Uh, so you want to make sure that you get your taxes done by a professional so that you know that it's done correctly. The tax team at Liberty Tax Locations right here in the Midlands will take care of you. That's Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia. Uh, 1123 South Lake Drive in Lexington, 7467 St. Andrews Road in Irmo, and then the new location at 551 St. Andrews Road, Columbia, 29210. Uh, they have virtual income tax prep or in-person tax prep. No matter what you do, though, either way, you're getting your taxes done professionally and done right. And right now they're open evenings and weekends to make sure that whatever time you're at work, whatever time you have available, you can go get your taxes done. Mike, dude, Marcus Lattimore, your your announcement that you had been teasing on Gamecock Central for some time, uh, it goes out today. And 
the reaction I've seen online has been awesome. I, I think Marcus and the fan base have always had such a connection. There's always been such an appreciation for Marcus. Marcus said it himself. He had to take some time. Um, I believe the way he phrased it was he needed to take some time in silence. Um, he, he, he got out, uh, found himself, um, spent, has spent time, you know, away from the Southeast where, where he grew up and, and spent his time, uh, you know, playing football, obviously at, at South Carolina, but I, I'll let you take it from there, Mike, tell everybody about the newest uh, venture between uh, you and Marcus and uh, how they can hear Marcus and what it means for Gamecock Central supporters. Yeah, we're, we're very excited for this. Uh, Marcus reached out to me about four or five weeks ago saying that he wanted to pass my name along and to, to someone. And, you know, typically when Marcus does that, it's like, all right, am I even going to ask him who? And I get a phone call um, either later that day or the next day from from a number out in Los Angeles. And I thought it was a telemarketer at first. I wasn't going to pick it up, but I picked it up. It was someone part of the Believe Network podcast um, platform. And um, they told me that Marcus was – someone that they had reached out to about doing a Gamecock podcast. And, and if you're not familiar with Believe, it's B-L-E-A-V. Um, they do over, they have over 400 podcasts um, with either current or former professional athletes, collegiate athletes, uh, former Gamecock Sean Smith is actually on there talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so if you want to listen to a former Gamecock, Deshaun Jackson's on there, Bill Polian, the NFL Hall of Fame GM. I mean, some really, really big name guys. Um, so they must have not been able to, to find anyone else if they, uh, if they, if they need me to be part of the show, because Marcus reached out to me and said that, uh, he wanted me to host it with him and, um, beyond honored, very, 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 very special, um, that he would have that trust in me. And, you know, because of obviously my relationship with him, we were able to kind of talk things out and said, Hey, look, we have a tremendous platform with me being over at Gamecock central now. Uh, believe was phenomenal with it. They're like, Hey, you guys figure it out. Whatever you guys want to do, you guys can do with it. Uh, you can post it anywhere you want um, with our, with our podcast and embed it anywhere. So, you know, Marcus has been awesome about it. He's just like, Mike, you do your thing. You know, he, he, he has that trust in me and, and feels like, uh, you know, we'll be able to really reach out to as many Gamecocks as possible. So I think the neat thing about this is Wes, you know, a couple things. One, Let's talk from a Gamecock Central standpoint, since we we do work at GC. Uh, if you're a Gamecock Central subscriber, one of the neat things that we're going to do is each week, we're not only going to throw up the latest podcast. So for whatever reason, you don't have iTunes, you want to listen on your um, computer or you want to listen to your on your on your phone, whatever, whatever. I mean, you can listen to this podcast pretty much however you get it. iHeart, iTunes, uh, Spotify. I mean, you name it. It, it pretty much has every podcast platform possible that you need to be able to listen to it but for Gamecock Central we're going to embed the link each week on the uh, insiders forum but on top of that we're also going to create a thread where you can ask Marcus questions each week now obviously uh, depending on how many questions we get a week there'll be some some shows that we might not be able to get to every single question but we'll do our best to be able to do that and the beautiful thing about this Wes that I'm really excited about is that Marcus is going to be an open book He's going to be an open book. And I think some people might say, okay, you know, you hear former players come back, you know, did he leave USC because he was mad at USC? I don't want to spoil what he's going to say in episode one, but he's not mad at USC whatsoever. Um, you kind of hint, hit at it, Wes, you know, he went through a lot of personal stuff. He went through a lot of um, self, self-reflection self and being able to figure out 
who he was and just didn't like the person that he was becoming because of some of the superficial stuff around him. And we've had conversations about that dating back to last year. Um, and I think that takes, you know, obviously you can be a woman as well, but it takes a real man to do that. So look at yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, you know, everyone else thinks I'm living a life that is absolutely incredible, but I'm not happy with myself right now. So uh, that's something that Marcus is going to get deep, deep, deep into episode one. It's going to be awesome to be able to hear from him. And that first episode, it's going to be more so, you know, our relationship that Marcus and I have had for five and a half going on six years now, um, how I've said it multiple times. If it wasn't for Marcus Lattimore, my career in South Carolina would not have took off the way that it did. I mean, him giving me that sit down interview, it changed my reporting career down here. And I'm very, very grateful uh, for that, but we're going to be able to catch up with him. And I think more than anything to us, he's just going to be back in front of Gamecock fans. You're going to be able to see him. You're going to be able to hear him. Um, and we're also going to be able to have him on occasionally. He's going to hop on some different uh, Gamecock central shows as well. So it's going to, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of exciting things. You're going to be able to see a different perspective because you know, how many Gamecock podcasts are out there that you have not only a former player, but you have arguably one of the most beloved and one of the most talented Gamecock players in Marcus Lattimore, who also was part of that coaching staff. He worked behind the scenes. He was part of that player development team that uh, Will Muschamp put together. So um, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I think this is going to be something Gamecock fans are going to enjoy. Um, that first episode is going to drop the week of March 7th. So as we get closer to that date, we will give you the exact um, day when that's going to come out. But um, if you want to be able to find it, all you have to do is, is type in South Carolina and then B-L-E-A-V, believe. Uh, you can also go to GamecockCentral.com. We have the direct link. So subscribe to it. Um, and we're, we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun, Wes. Yeah, and you're, uh, you're also talking about, Mike, in my opinion, one of the most thoughtful um, players in South Carolina history as well as far as taking just being able to express himself and being able to um, put into words things that uh, I feel like the average person just can't like I, I've always just enjoyed listening to Marcus speak on matters and uh, all the way going back to interviewing him when he was a high school recruit five-star guy and it was just sort of thrust into the limelight um, you know as, as a young kid coming up at, at Burns so that's going to be fun man I'm excited about that if y'all haven't watched it yet you can actually go watch the uh, the announcement video that's on GamecockCentral.com. It's on the forum, the Insider Forum. It's on our YouTube, uh, youtubecom slash GamecockCentral. So uh, go check that out. Marcus speaks a little bit more about um, what he's been up to, um, the plans moving forward, and and you can hear that from Marcus himself. So man, we, we've covered a lot of ground, Mike. Uh, I guess w- women's basketball is tonight at yep. Texas A and M. That's eight thirty. Um, yep. So I was I was trying to look and, and make sure I was right on this. I know they've already won a share. They, they've won the regular season SEC. I don't even know if you could really technically call it a share anymore. Like if you, even if multiple teams win it, you you hang a banner. You don't say you us and them. Mm-hmm. You say our team is the SEC regular season champion. But if South Carolina wins tonight, then. I believe, Mike, they will be outright champions because um, LSU is two games behind them. So if South Carolina wins, even if LSU were to win, um, there would be one game left for both teams, and South Carolina would still be two games. So this would lock them in as the only 
SEC regular season champion for this year if they win tonight. Correct. So that's why South Carolina has already locked up the number one seed in the SEC tournament because they already beat LSU. But if South Carolina were to lose their next two games and LSU wins their next two, which is the only two conference games that both teams have, they would be co-SEC champs. Um, so that's why you still have that co. But if they do win tonight against Texas A&M, regardless of what happens, that last regular season game of the year for South Carolina, they would be the outright SEC champs. So they play Texas A&M tonight. That's 830 Eastern. And then this weekend, making sure I'm losing track of the actual dates. Today's the 24th, 25th, so that'd be Sunday. They play at Old Miss. Um, I don't want to say that game doesn't mean anything, um, but, I mean, shoot. If they if they beat Texas A&M, I mean, you're sitting real pretty going into the SEC tournament. Um, and, you know, if, I mean, obviously you win the SEC tournament, it's going to speak for itself, but South Carolina is in a real good spot right now really good spot to be able to get that number one overall seed. I, I really don't know. I know we have some, some weeks to go until we get there, but unless South Carolina had some massive collapse losing tonight and then losing, um, you know, the old miss over the weekend and then getting bounced in the first round of the sec tournament, I can't see how they're not at least the top four team, you know, I mean, excuse me, one of the four number one seeds, just because, They've beat 11, 11 ranked teams this year. It's absolutely insane. This is the most that an SEC team has beaten, uh, I believe, since, what, 2001? Um, So it just goes to show how rare it is, but it also goes to show uh, two things. One, yes, the SEC has got better. We know that. Um, Is the SEC maybe as dominant as it's been in years past? Eh, um, but South Carolina, they went out and they scheduled a really difficult non-conference schedule. That gauntlet that they went through, which, um, you know, things kind of washed hands a little bit because they didn't have a chance to play UConn um, at the end of January, but they played UConn in a one of the tournaments earlier in the mm-hmm. year. They had an opportunity to play them. So that kind of, you know, washes that, right? So um, this team has been battle-tested. This team has played in front of crowds that some women's basketball teams do not even produce after three, four, five, six games combined. Um, when you th- when you talk about that eighteen thousand crowd uh, that was on hand for for that Tennessee game this past weekend at Colonial Life Arena, they're so prepared it's scary. I mean, I don't know what more they can do to get more prepared. Um, and they've played different caliber teams. You know, Stanford's a team that's more physical and bigger in the paint and then they've also played some teams who are a little bit undersized and a little bit faster so um, they've seen a little bit of everything and I think the beautiful part about how talented this team is they're so freaking deep and just you know you always knock on wood you just try to stay healthy I mean that's I think the scariest part about it is you know you have this game you win tonight you lock up the SEC do you rest players in that Ole Miss game yeah I don't think Don's the type of coach that will do that by any means, especially when you think about Aaliyah Boston's double-double streak on the line as that continues to – I mean, she she gets a double-double tonight. It extends to 20 straight double-doubles, which would be an SEC record mm-hmm. outright. He tied the record um, by uh, Sylvia Fowles uh, this last game against Tennessee, but she has an opportunity to make some history, and this team, they're just, they're just clicking. They're clicking. They just – the crazy thing is, Wes, they could still be better. They could still finish more layups. Don will always say it. 
She, they, they, they miss way too many layups sometimes, and they turn the ball way too many times uh, in some of these games, and they're still winning. So, um, yeah, it's uh, they're they're just a lot of fun to watch. They're a lot of fun to watch. But yeah, if if they win tonight or LSU loses tonight, outright champs. Doesn't matter what happens uh, that final game of the year. Yeah, and I, I'm with you, man. I can't see. I don't think it's in Don Staley's DNA to just go into that final game and be like, it doesn't matter. You know, now, if if they can get a big lead, if they're in a situation to to sort of gradually take some of the girls out and and not quite risk injury as much anymore by the second half, then maybe you, you do it that way. But I can't see South Carolina doing anything other than, you know, foot down on the gas. What do you do with Boston, though? What do you do with Boston? And this is obviously she gets paid to make these decisions, but if you're in a situation – where you're up like 20 points in the second half against Ole Miss, do you risk putting Aaliyah out there if she's, you know, and I say closing in, I mean, all right, she needs one more rebound or whatever. I get that. But if she needs like another four rebounds and you don't need her, is it worth putting her out there? We know this is something that we've asked her, not me personally, but some of the guys part of the media team. Um, we've, we've asked her that in some of these games. Those games – Still means still meant something. I'm not saying this one doesn't, but you have to think about it. I know I see Craig talking about Raven Johnson uh, going down earlier in the year. I mean, all it takes. I mean, I don't care what sport it is, and I think some people, oh, it's women's basketball. Raven Johnson's a perfect example, tearing her ACL in one of the first games of the year. All it takes is one play, and I'm not trying to speak any negative juju into existence here. But it's just the reality, and I think it's a conversation worth having because, shoot, they win tonight. That's going to be most likely a situation that occurs over the week, and they should have no issue beating Ole Miss. They should have no issue. And if the score gets out of hand like we've seen in some of these games, especially in the first half of some of these games, that's a decision you have to make. And, you know, you know, I know Don keeps saying this phrase, Aaliyah Boston and some of the other players, um, you know, Keep uh goodness, I can't remember the uh the 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 main the you know keep keep the main the main the main thing the main thing keep the main thing the main thing you know so the main thing is winning a national championship so I don't know but then again like I'm not I'm not Don Staley she's gonna very likely be not just uh she's gonna be the first she's very likely that she's gonna be the first female to be inducted into the basketball hall of fame both as a player and as a coach the first female to be able to do that. I think there's only five or six men that are in the pro basketball hall of fame is that she'd be the first female. So I have nothing compared to her in terms of her knowledge of the game, but it's just, it's something that scares you a little bit, you know, ideally for them, Aaliyah Boston gets 10 and 10 in the first 12 minutes of the game. And then you don't, you don't really worry about that conversation, right? Like you just sort of ease her out of there. Um, by the way, if, you know, if, if you go on, if you go on ESPN.com, Mike, which, um, that's where I always go for, if I'm just looking for scores quickly, or I want to see somebody's schedule. You don't go to um, on three. Do what? You don't go to on three. Well, I mean, it, dude, ESPN for like, for schedules and, and box scores is, is perfect. Right. So they always put, no matter the sport, they'll put like a couple little stat leaders right yeah. out beside the game. And um, it is free. It is comical to look at South Carolina's schedule because it's oh, yeah. it has points, rebounds, assists. 
if you look at the last 11 games for South Carolina, uh, the rebound column looks like a tribute to Mike's favorite place, Boston, because it's literally Boston, 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 all 11, 11 of 11. She's led the team in rebounds and points. You've got uh Grissette has one game where she led the team, and then Zaya Cook has one game where she led the team in points. Every other one, the last eleven. Um, and Wes, look at the team, and look at the team she's doing it against. Because look, I'm not even going to say her name, not to be disrespectful towards her, um, but the idea that Aaliyah Boston, the the fact that there's even a conversation for some people that she doesn't deserve to be the national player of the year because you have a new shiny object that's shooting threes uh, 20 feet behind the line. Well, the last time I checked, it's still worth three points. Uh, I'm not going to be disrespectful as I throw shade. (laughs) Yeah, and when you're looking at the talent that Aaliyah Boston's playing against, I've thought about this, whether it be Aaliyah, whether it be Zaya Cook, whether it be even, I don't know, you could say Destiny Henderson. If those players are on a different team, they're probably averaging about 20 points a game each. Zaya's probably averaging close to 30 points a game. And the reason I say that is historically, even when when, when, um, when Asia Wilson played here, Don Staley teams, typically, you don't have a player that's scoring 20-plus points a game, 25. You know, it's like some of these other schools. And the reason why is, yeah, obviously there's so much talent on the court, but they're playing within the system. They, they're not trying to go out there and be the only person that's making plays. Um, mm-hmm. I truly believe Zaya Cook would be scoring close to 30 points if she's playing at a different school. No question about it. But she's doing her job within the system. Aaliyah Boston's doing her job. She's doing her job from a point standpoint. So does she, is she scoring more points than this other girl? No. But at the same time, too, the blocks, the rebounds, the defensive presence – I'd love to go look at, I believe it's Iowa State is what this girl plays on, uh, just the impact alone, the impact alone that Aaliyah Boston has in comparison to not just her, but any other player in the country. So I just, I think it's comical. I think it's comical. And you know what it is too? And I, I make fun of people that play fantasy football. Um, I call them the, the nerds. We've got to a point now where all the nerds just look at the stat sheet and they're like, oh, this person's better. Open your freaking eyes and watch the game. And I think I've said this before, Wes. One of my favorite – I'm trying to make sure I pull this up so I can say it right. Um, Tlaib, he has one of my favorite quotes, and I'm not going to probably be able to find it right now. But basically what it says is people that enjoy uh, dry-humping stats – Probably enjoy listen. Probably enjoy reading sheet music instead of actually look uh, listening to the actual song itself. So the point being is, don't get all caught up on what you're seeing on a stat sheet. Open your freaking eyes and watch the game. It is so clear the impact that Aaliyah Boston's having on this team. And I mean, there's no question she's the number one player in the country. Yeah. So um, we'll do the thing at the end here where where we uh, what is it on. Uh, PTI, were they correct? No. Um, Wellbaum and um, what is the show? PTI, the interruption, Kornhauser and uh, Wellbaum. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Corrections at the uh, they had stat yeah. boy. Yeah, I, Iowa, not Iowa State. There it is. But, Thank you. But otherwise, enjoyed the rant, Mike. Uh, and I enjoyed the show, man. Appreciate you taking the time. 
We're going to let everybody get out of here. Uh, again, South Carolina women's basketball tonight. Baseball back in action yep. for a three-game series with, uh, is it George Washington? Yep. Yes, George Washington this weekend at um, Founders Park before they really start to get rolling Clemson series right around the corner. Oof. And then, uh, as we said, men's basketball Saturday, women's basketball again, Ole Miss on Sunday. So plenty to look for, plenty to look forward to on GamecockCentral.com. Mikey, I enjoyed it, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Be sure to go check out Colin's piece that really breaks down everything with the Ken Palm and the net rankings, because I'm sure for some of you guys, it's been a popsicle headache trying to understand how South Carolina is winning some of these games, but they're not moving up that much. He did an excellent job of explaining all that and breaking it all down. So um, even a simpleton like me can understand. I think you guys will enjoy it too. Good stuff, man. Uh, Colin doing a great job over there, as always, breaking things down for us. Go check it out. For Mike, I'm Wes. Uh, We'll see you next time.